WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Spartan Sports Rep here on the Impact 89 FM. I'm Scott. He's Pavel. It's hey, I'm of... Pavel. He's Scott. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. That's what they do on Sports Center. They kind of reiterate it. Yeah, we're not there yet, though. <laughs> Maybe. It's a, kind of a somber day here. Not Not only because of the rain. I think we're all a little wet. But it was a very, very disappointing football weekend. Uh... Hey, when it rains, it pours from oh my the Ohio gosh. State offense, huh? I mean, Pat Narduzzi, the Michigan State defensive coordinator, said it best. They're basically <laughs> hoping that their offense didn't click was kind of the game plan we had, and it clicked. And he also said that the <laughs> the only good thing that Michigan State did all game was they did well in warm-ups. But, yep, pre-game warm-ups. <laughs> they were doing pretty well. That's not going to fare well. That's... Yeah, that's not really what you look for from your team when you're going up against Ohio State, who's ranked number 12, undefeated in the Big Ten, has Big Ten championship implications in the game. You come out and just get rocked. 45-7 to was the final score we lost. Let that sink in. 45-7. to I mean, I thought if if we could contain... Terrell Pryor, and if their offense didn't do much, we could it would be close. I honestly thought we had a chance to win the game, and I don't always think that. I'm I'm not one of those. I'm I'm one of the realist Spartan fans. I understand when we don't have the best team, but we've been playing better. They put confidence in me. I was on the bandwagon. Ohio State hadn't been playing well. Their offense, they against Purdue, they scored their touchdown on a blocked punt, returned for a touchdown. That was it. Their offense, nothing. They had field goals. Those two straight games for them. And Terrell Pryor, he had really, really had trouble until the Michigan State game throwing the ball. Um, he kept it on the ground, gave it off to Beanie Wells, or rushed it himself. But you know, he did, he didn't really have to establish the pass against Michigan State either, like everybody expected that he would have to to win the game. Oh um, no. yeah, it was evident in the first drive when. First play, first offensive play, he faked it to Beanie, rolled out to the no, left for first, 32 yards. First play, they ran it. First play, it was to Beanie Wells. It was a dive. And oh, okay. our entire defense collapsed in. And I turned to you right then as they're going to go play action. I figured they'd go deep. Well, they faked the handoff, but then Terrell Pryor on a bootleg. Yards. Yeah, 32. And our defense still didn't learn from that. Every time we were biting on fakes and... Overcommitting. Oh, yeah. It was... The Just linebackers, breaking the defensive ends weren't be, weren't able to get out wide enough to stop them. And then when they would have a play fake, our linebackers were biting so hard. Greg Jones was on that play that we just mentioned. You could see him on the replay cut in, turn around, and have to try to chase him down. That happened so many times. But even, even if the Spartans didn't break contain... Um, Terrell Pryor and Beanie Wells would stiff arm our defensive ends, oh our gosh. linebackers, vi- just 
I think Terrell right Pryor just ground. I mean they just ran over Marcus Hyde at one point. Into the I think. grass and just ran right by. It was either Jeremy Ware or Marcus Hyde. It was, Terrell, it was Jeremy Ware, number yeah, nine. Just got run over yeah. by the quarterback. He come up and try to make a stop, and Pryor just lowered his shoulder and leveled him. I mean that's that's just demoralizing. Not not only the fact that is this game, it was over early. I mean it was what. 12 minutes into the game, we're down 21 zip. I mean, they scored on their first drive. Or no, we stopped them on their first drive. We stopped them. They got that big run and then three and out. We stopped them. They came back, got a touchdown. They get the ball again, touchdown. They get the ball again, touchdown. Oh, the, the one that's a defensive touchdown. No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Keyshawn Martin fumbled on their left side. That wasn't taken back for a touchdown. No, their, uh, no, their defense. That was a fumble. Right. Yeah. Right. But they got the ball back. Turnover. Yeah, One of our five line. turnovers on the day. And yeah, I mean, I'm just all confused with all the scoring. It's just too much scoring. It was. I was confused with all the scoring plays because there's just so many. Well, it was 28-0 at halftime, and we we were joking up in the first quarter. You and I we were saying how Ohio State's just gonna sit on it now. All they have to do is run. Well, they kept on moving the ball because we still couldn't stop the run. Ohio State, I didn't even realize this during the game, they threw the ball 11 times the entire game. Threw the ball 11 times. Yeah, they scored 45 points. It was almost like the Tennessee Titans uh, <laughs> kicking the Chiefs yesterday. I mean, they didn't have to throw it at all. Yeah. Lendale White and Chris Johnson just... They ran for like 300 yards. Each yeah. of them almost got 200 yeah, yards. Yeah, they ran for 360 combined, I think. But yeah, this game, we were joking around how they're not going to run up the score, and then they kept breaking big plays. Well, I, th- I think they didn't run up the they score. They didn't. They did not uh, try they, at it all. It was just the Spartans gave them more than enough opportunities. Oh. Uh, they gave them fumbles, turnovers, minus five in the turnover differential. Um, that, yeah. that last touchdown was late in the fourth, one minute left, and Ohio State returns it for a touchdown, so... I'm not gonna lie. I had stopped paying attention at that point. We were down on the field, and I was in, yeah. down at the other end, and I I saw something happen. I saw there's an interception, bef- just before that, the last time we had the ball, and then the, did that another pass to a wide receiver, fumbled, returned, and it was just we we said that we had when once we were down 21 zip, we needed to force a turnover, and, and we get, did get, we, had we did we had it we needed. I felt that we needed to score on special teams or defense because with the way Hoyer been playing, we weren't going to score 21 points very quickly. Our offense doesn't score fast. It's give the ball to Javon Ringer. That's not a very fast way of scoring. And Michigan State, you know, they've had a history of getting behind early and sort of chipping away at it. But Ohio State's not the type of defense to ever let that happen. Uh, if, If we were playing any other team, it would be possible. But against the Ohio State defense, they scored 14, and I was uh, it was done. Oh, yeah. It was done. They weren't going to get quick scores. They weren't going to get big plays on the Ohio State defense. Well, we had it. It was 21 nothing, and we forced a fumble right down. on The ball ended up on the Ohio State three-yard line. Greg Jones was right there. He, he was out in front of everybody. There was an Ohio State player a couple steps behind him. He had an opportunity to fall on the ball, get it right down on the goal line. All he could see was touchdown. Goes right over the ball. And you can't blame him. Didn't I mean? Uh, no, I can and will. I can and will blame him for that. You've got to fall it, it, on that like a, fumble. It's a split second reaction. 
I know they're taught this every day in practice. It's a split-second de- decision. I know we're up sitting in the press box. We're thinking to ourselves, why don't you just fall on it? But if we were in the same situation, split-second, you make that decision, you go. I you understand why he did it. Right a yard in front of you. I know. But, I mean, it turns out there's four Michigan State defenders there and one guy from Ohio State. Jones is in front. He misses the ball. He just went right over top of it. It was too eager to get in the end well, zone. Well, no, as he was and, trying to pick it up, he was shoved from behind by the Ohio State guy, which forced him to over overrun it, and the ball went right between his legs, through his arms. And I don't, I don't know State if he was guy. necessarily shoved. He he didn't recover the ball, needless to say, and Ohio State ended up getting it, and that just killed anything we had going. I mean, 21-7 isn't too bad. It's not great, but then... We could, it gives you we momentum for exactly. your defense. Exactly. And then we had nothing left after that. Brian Hoyer, he they say he got injured. He took a couple hits. He got hit hard by Laurinaitis and won. Said he hurt his hand just before he threw the interception and late in the first half. Second half, come out, Kirk Cousins is starting, which... Everybody could see that happening. I asked injured that or not. when the first half ended. I thought Kirk Cousins was going to come. We didn't. Outside. We didn't even know that Hoyer was injured. When we we knew that Cousins yeah, was going to come. I just in. thought that it was out of hand and yeah. just make a change. And then Cousins comes in, and in the third quarter he went ten for ten, for a hundred and two yards with a touchdown. Led us on the first drive. 80, he came in. Yeah, the first first drive of the second half led us on an eighty some maybe probably eighty yard drive. Had a couple nice passes, a deep ball over the middle that he just rifled in. That I've never seen that out of Hoyer. I comment Hoyer doesn't throw a very good deep ball. And Cousins came in and just rifled one down the middle. And then we had, I think, three yard touchdown pass to the tight end Charlie Gant, who he has been impressive of late. He's a sophomore now, and that that bodes really well. Set up a big junior year for next year. That's I like to see that we. We never used Kellen Davis. He's a great tight end. We used him more on defense. Yeah. I mean, 6'6", six, six, we never used the tight end down near the goal line. This year, they finally realized it. No, we, Kellen Davis did have a bunch of touchdowns last year when we did play action on the goal line. We He did have a, a couple of touchdowns there. So I thought I th- we could have used him more. I think the, the difference with Dave Baldwin, the old offensive coordinator, never used him. Yes. But... Once we made that transition to Don Treadwell, then we started using him. And nobody could be more happier than Kellen Davis. It probably got him you know, drafted. That is true. But, I mean, Charlie Gant's having a great season now. He's got, what, four touchdown catches? Three or four. Somewhere somewhere right around there. He had one against Iowa, one against Indiana, one against Ohio State. I can't think of another one. I'm not sure. Three as far as I know. And then Selleck has at least one. The other, our backup tight end. And it's great to see that. Now, if we could just do more with yeah, and, and not talking about the tight ends. When yeah, to, I mean, folks, there the big was, picture. The, our defense, it was it was terrible. I mean, they came out and they they were out of position, weren't able to make plays. I mean, one on one, a cornerback versus Terrell Pryor. I'm gonna put my money on the quarterback, the Terrell Pryor, the quarterback. Because he's going to make a move. It's so hard to tackle him in space. We were leaving guys just wide open. I mean, just left them on an island to try to take them down. We just, 
our defense couldn't do anything. And then when we were in position, we still wouldn't make plays. Beanie Wells, we had him bottled up in the backfield a few times, just bounced it outside and took it for gains of 20 and 23. I know one time, or one time was a touchdown, a 16-yard touchdown. We had him stopped in the backfield, and he turned it into a touchdown. I think uh, the Spartans are really missing that big playmaker on defense, that Laronitis type. Uh, Greg Jones has the potential, and he's shown it in games. But against the you know against the big big dogs, he's still sort of over committing. He's still running around, kind of getting caught. So we just need that big playmaker, and with him, he'll get the whole defense to play, and he'll get that whole defense hyped up. I mean, Ray Lewis is amazing yes. at that. Yes. All it takes is one playmaker on defense to get the whole unit going. I think Otis Wiley showed shades of that in the first couple games. I yeah. mean, he had a couple games with two interceptions, and then he just, I mentioned yesterday, or Saturday, that just didn't hear his name called too much. He wasn't really doing much. I mean, granted, they were running it a lot, but still, they threw the ball 11 times and ran it 52. You'd think we'd bring our safeties up eventually. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Rep here on the Impact 89 FM. Our number here is 432-3893. If you want to call in, have a comment about the game, any questions for us about college football, we'll move on to the NFL here in a little bit. But there's still a few more college games I'd like to talk about. Well, just to put an end on the MSU-Ohio State game, it just I'm not surprised that Ohio State won. It comes down to talent. They're just that much more talented than us. Um, we were never even in the consideration for Terrell Pryor. No. Uh, they have so many talented five-star prospects. and On both sides of the field. On, on both sides, sides absolutely. I mean, they have Jenkins, too. Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins. He's the one who, when uh, Kirk Cousins came in in the fourth quarter, he got sacked, lost the ball, and it was returned for touchdown. It was Malcolm Jenkins on a blitz. Never saw him coming, and... He was the one who got the sack and forced the fumble, but he's—I think—he's a senior corner. He's—he's very good, very big, very physical. It just shows you that Ohio State's just that much more talented. There's a huge gap there in talent, and Mark D'Antonio slowly—he's bringing in his own guys. Next year, you'll see just how good this team is with Mark D'Antonio's guys. I mean, he has a really impressive, a top 15 class coming in. Yes, two amazing running backs, um, and a couple of good defensive guys. So. Slowly he's bringing them in, but you're always going to lose those top Ohio prospects to Ohio State. Yeah, You're always going to lose them. Oh, yeah, it's so hard. And then you've also got to fight with Rich Rodriguez down at Michigan. He's going to start getting recruits here in the next few years. I mean, yes, they're not doing well this year. I mean, we'll cover that. To finish up the game here on Saturday, our loss to Ohio State, Brian Hoyer ended up going 5 for 13 for 27 yards and a pick. And Kirk Cousins went 18 of 25 for 161 yards with a touchdown and an interception. He lost that fumble. But apparently there's no quarterback controversy. Brian Hoyer's our quarterback. We're sticking with him. I don't agree with it, but but we're sticking so with him. So you would start Kirk Cousins? I would start Kirk Cousins at Michigan. I, I disagree. I know you do. And here's why. Um, I just think that this is Brian Hoyer's team to really replace him is just saying we don't trust you. We're still six. We're what six, six and, two? and two? We're still six and two. The season is not lost. No, you stick to the By guy no that got you lost. there. You stick to the guy that got you there. He might be a little beat up, but 
a good week of practice, and he'll come out there against Michigan. I think the reason you don't start Kirk Cousins, he might have looked well, he might have played well, but that was because Ohio State defense was backing off. Jim Trestle didn't want to run up the score on his friend Mark D'Antonio, so Ohio State didn't blitz, they didn't throw a lot of different looks on defense at Kirk Cousins, and the one time that they blitzed, Kirk Cousins couldn't hold on to the ball. I mean, he's got to know that there's somebody over his shoulder coming at him. He's got to tug it. To be fair, he was never touched. I know, but still, I think you go into Michigan, and Kirk Cousins is making his first start at the big house. You put him in, you throw him into the fire. Um, Michigan is a blitzing team. They are going to blitz the crap out of the Michigan State offense. I mean, they're going to blitz and blitz more, and Kirk Cousins is going to have to learn to read the defense, read what they're giving him. He's going to read the zone. He's going to have to do a lot of stuff and pack it into a week. Um, He might have experienced this in practice. He might have done all this, but it's different in a game. And I think Brian Hoyer has the experience, and this is his team. Now, I'm not saying that you leave Cousins in the entire time. I'm saying start him. Get it through Hoyer's head that he hasn't been doing what we need. Kind of he. He needs some sort of inspiration from somewhere because he is not the same quarterback that he was last year. He's shown a couple games he's done well, but besides that, he has just kind of been struggling, and he needs something to kind of light that fire. Maybe that's it. Give give Cousins the first two, three offensive series. See how he does, and make sure that Hoyer's ready. I mean, Hoyer, all the tests came out negative, which is a good thing for his head getting hit and his hand. But, you know, maybe that's what he needs. And I know, I know Michigan, it's it's going to be a tough game. We'll get to that later on in the hour here. But just just to shake some things up, make sure we're not going to sit on it, show that after, one, after even one loss, we're ready to change things up to get back on track. Now, Michigan, they, this score, they led Penn State. The number three team in the three nation. Quarters. They halftime they were up seventeen to fourteen. At the end of the game, the score was forty nine seventeen Penn State. I mean the turnovers that Michigan couldn't hold on to the ball in the second half. The turnovers killed them. I mean, they must be one of the worst teams as far as turnover differential. I oh, mean they are terrible. Be. I mean, I think they average at least like five turnovers a game. It's ridiculous. They're just terrible. Yeah, it's it's not good, but and then apparently Stephen Threat's going to be the quarter, starting quarterback against us is what I've heard. Who knows how much that's going to change? It's Monday, the game's on Saturday, but then uh, Miner, their backup running back, Sam McGuffey, had been their starter for pretty much all of the season. Miner was the one who went over a hundred yards in their game. He ended up with one hundred and seventeen. But I mean. Penn State, once they remembered that they're actually supposed to be playing football, they just crushed them. I mean, they outscored them, what is it, 29-3. to No, no, not even. It was 32-zip in the second half. 32-zip in the second half. And they were that was even late in the second half. Like it started halfway through the Joe third Paterno quarter. Walked in at halftime and said, "Okay, guys, we we let them get their confidence up. No more messing around. Let's go out there and uh, take care of business." And must they did. have. It's a game of uh, two different halves. It's ridiculous. Oh, it was. And then, of course, we go down next week. No, excuse, not next week on Saturday, for that matter. 
and we play, like we said, in the big house. Play U of M. It's a big, huge rivalry game. And I said it. I said it before. I don't feel very confident about it right now. I Michigan's not good. We've said that the whole year. But there's one game that they're going to get hyped up for. It's going to be Michigan State or Ohio State. But I think, I think they'd focus more on us because they think they have a better chance to win against us. I think this year is the first year since 99 where the Michigan State-Ohio State game meant more than the Michigan-Ohio State game will. Yes. Since 99, TJ Duckett. Yeah, I think I'm not saying that Michigan will win. I don't want don't want listeners to think that and be angry with me. I'm just gonna say that this game will be a lot closer than what it should be. I I don't think that we're quite where we need to be right now, and we do not play well in Ann Arbor. There's no no buts about that. They have had our number down there. Granted, we keep it close, but they still find a way to just kind of rip our hearts out, basically. But on the other side of that, to put a good twist on this, this is an opportunity to really show that this Michigan State program is going the right way, that it's out there for us. This is the opportunity. This is the year when, on paper, we should crush Michigan. I mean... So should have Wisconsin. Absolutely. But... It's out there for us. We just got to grab it and take it. Um, we showed promise against Northwestern at Northwestern. We yes. don't play on the good on the road, period. And we came out and jumped on Northwestern early. We need to jump on Michigan early and not let that crowd get in it. And really, if we jump on them early, if we put up 17 points on them early like we did against Northwestern... Oh, they're, gonna, they're just going to be demoralized. I mean, all the Wolverine fans will be like, you know what, maybe... Maybe this is the year. There's there's been a change down in Ann Arbor for fans. They've kind of they've had to start accepting losing. Now, I mean, after Toledo came in and handed it to them, and they, I mean, what's they've lost five games now. I don't even know. They've I, yeah, I think there's two five. and five. Yeah, I think so. People have finally started to wise up that you know this isn't our year, but it doesn't matter what's happened so far this year for this game. I mean, we've had to say that being MSU fans. Oh, you have to throw out the records. We're we're coming down there. We're ready to go. Tables have kind of turned a little bit. Not as dramatically necessary or more so, depending on well, how you want to look at it. They could go 2-10. and ten. Well, They won't, but they could go 2-10. and ten, But if their only two wins were against Michigan State and Ohio State, their two rivals, <laughs> they'd still be sleeping well in Ann Arbor, yeah. I guess. We'd sort never of. hear the end of it then. Yeah. It doesn't absolutely. matter how bad their season is. We lose this game. You'd hear it absolutely. away from out of, outside of Michigan of the state of Michigan, but inside Michigan, yeah, Ann Arbor would still have the bragging rights. And, I mean, the key to the game, Javon Ringer needs to get the ball more. He got it 16 times. He ran 16 times for, like, 65 yards against Ohio State. We need to go back to him. And then Brian Hoyer, I know he's going to play, and he needs to be consistent. Don't turn the ball over. Complete. 60% 60% of your passes, and don't turn the ball over. Just manage the game. That's what he needs to get back into. And it, and hopefully our defense steps up, kind of limits the big plays that we're prone to give up. But it's going to be a lot closer than what people what it should be. It'll probably be somewhere around seven points. 
the final score, the final margin of victory. I think we thought that Ohio State, Michigan State would be around three to seven points, but um, yeah. hopefully nobody th- took MSU with the points. Hopefully Michigan State. <laughs> Saturday. Hopefully Michigan State ends up on the better side of that score. If it is, it, it, if it does turn out to be one of those blowouts, I don't think it will, but. We could we could have a substantial lead, maybe at halftime, and Michigan sort of pick away at it because right. that's what that's Michigan what State that's does. what we do against. We, that's we go we into do. the prevent defense and just kind of sit on. We it. We either dig ourselves in a hole and try to chip away at it, or we get a big lead and sit on it. That is true. Hopefully, it should be a good game. If things if we get our minds back in it, we should be fine. We just need to stop their running game because they cannot throw the ball. There there's no one there to throw the ball. And it it shouldn't be too big of a problem. Now, I sent you a text earlier today about this play that happened on Saturday. I didn't hear much about it until today. There was in the LSU-South Carolina game. It was in the second half. See, I can see by the look on your face you haven't seen it. It is this crazy, crazy play. South Carolina has the ball on about the LSU 8-yard line. It's late in the first half. They're... Right near the goal line. Quarterback drops back, and he's forced to kind of scramble, and it's a broken play. He scrambles to the left, where the referee, uh, the one who's usually in with the linebackers, he's kind of there. He's out of position somewhat, and he's just kind of lost. Quarterback's coming right at him, and you can see he notices it kind of late, and in real time, it looks like they just kind of ran into each other, and just a weird play. Quarterback got knocked back and down and tackled then for a loss. But they slowed it down. And you can actually see the ref kind of shuffle his feet, line up the quarterback, and he hit him. He just kind of went right at him, like lined him up like a linebacker would, and delivered almost a forearm shiver to the quarterback and knocked him down. And, I mean, they slowed it down. And I've seen different angles. I watched it. I watched it online earlier today and I thought it was a joke like one of the one of those beer commercials with referees one of one of those where you'd see them or the restaurant commercials <laughs> they have the referees that are trying to keep the game going I can't mention names here so it's very hard to describe these things but it looked like a joke like the referee actually tackled the dude but that was really what happened in the game and the referee is a uh, Wilbur Hackett and he used to be a linebacker back at Kentucky back in the day. And it looked like he just got this flashback. All he saw was a quarterback coming. He squatted down, shuffled his feet, got into position, lined him up, and made the tackle. And, I mean, there's there's some varying opinions on it. But if you go out and watch the video, it is very hard to believe that he didn't do it on purpose. I mean, it, I'm sure that it wasn't his agenda for the game to tackle their quarterback, but he saw him coming at him. He lined him up and made a good hit. And, of course, the SEC released a statement that the Southeastern Conference, which the game was in, the referees are part of that, they released a statement saying it was incidental. He was trying to protect himself by getting his arm up. It's like, oh, there's a difference between protecting yourself and taking out the quarterback. And it counts, too. It counts. It does. He was down, and it counted. He got hit by the LSU guy. I mean... Even as bizarre as that play is, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen referees get in the way, literally incidentally, on plays over the middle and things. But 
that quarterback, I mean, come on. You just got taken out by a referee. Just like sent backwards, knocked down. He wasn't expecting it, that's why. Yeah. No, there's there's a player like another yard behind him. He was trying to make a cut. He, and he got tackled by a referee who's got to be, got to be 50. He was a big dude. He was like 6'3", 210, <laughs> the referee was, but but still. <laughs> I Go home and watch it, Pavel. It is, okay, well. it is amazing. It is. It's just crazy. Of course, LSU went on to win the game, twenty. I was gonna say twenty-four seventeen. Well, it was still a touchdown, which is crazy, but it was it was ridiculous. And then another game where we thought it was gonna be very good, Texas Missouri. Texas came out, and okay, you thought it, we were out of it early. It was another one of those cases that oh you know what? Gosh. At least at least we're not Missouri. And Missouri's oh. gonna taste of what Michigan State felt earlier in the oh, day. Oh man! And what was it? Thirty-one nothing. It was thirty-five nothing. Thirty-five nothing. Thirty-five to zero. Missouri kicked a field goal as time ran out in the end of the first half. Thirty-five zero. It was bad. We were down 20, 28 zip, but it was thirty-five three. Not a whole lot better. And Colt McCoy went twenty-nine of thirty-two. He had three incompletions. That's the Texas quarterback. His passing percent completion percentage coming into the game was like seventy-nine point four, which is unheard of. And he, it went up because of that game. He's completing over 80% of his passes. That's barely even possible on video games. <laughs> I mean, it is unheard of. He had two touchdowns, ran for 23 yards, and another two touchdowns. Four touchdowns on the day. That's the kind of uh, stat you would get on uh, college football on the video game. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's it's yeah. ridiculous. And, I mean, he's by far the leading Vote getter for the Heisman Trophy now. Texas is number one there. Missouri's lost two straight games. They are in the heart of their schedule, though. They had Texas just played Oklahoma. They, then two, last week they played Oklahoma. Then Missouri. Then Oklahoma State, who is number six they beat in Missouri. the nation. Yeah, yes, that's right. But I still don't think Oklahoma State's that great. They're undefeated. They I'm not going to take the, it away from them. Oklahoma State hasn't hit the meat of their schedule. Every exactly. Big Twelve school has a point where they hit the meat of their schedule and play the Oklahomas, exactly. the Missouris, the Texas. Uh, Texas Tech is even pretty good, too. Yeah. I mean, well, wow. then I forgot to look and see. College game day could be back with Texas again. I mean, number one versus number six. But I don't think they are. I don't know where they are. I, haven't, I didn't pay enough attention to that. Probably with Ohio State, Ohio Penn State. Ohio State, Penn State. That's going to be a big game. But I forgot to mention, the BCS rankings came out. That's the first week they came out. And, of course, for those of you who don't know, BCS determines who plays in the national championship game. There's tons of different opinions about this. I, for one, am not a huge fan of the BCS. I I think I said before that I like the playoff. Not necessarily as much as a playoff as more of an and-one game. You have the top four teams, like the top two bowl games, they play, the winners play that. So kind of a playoff, but more of the one extra game to determine the national champion. But the BCS rankings are out. Texas, of course, number one. Alabama's number two. Those two are ahead of everybody else by about half a point, which it's put on a scale. It's actually put out of one point. And it's 1.000 is perfect, which nobody's there. I think Texas is like 0.98. 
and Alabama's at like .96, and then Penn State's number three at .86. But they could really gain some ground. Penn State could on Alabama if they beat Ohio State. Right. And a couple of these freshly ranked Big Ten teams that won't be ranked for very long, Northwestern, Minnesota. Yeah, we have Northwestern at number 22, and Minnesota is 7-1. and one. Are they... Yeah, no, seven. No, yeah, no. seven and one because they became bowl eligible last week, or did they not play? Didn't play. Oh, well, they, then I'm sorry. They're six and, they're one. six and one, ranked number twenty four in the nation. This is a team that went one and eleven last year. They're number twenty four in the nation. They could very easily go eleven and one because they don't play anybody. I mean, they don't. They don't play us. They don't play Penn State. They don't play Ohio State. This year, that's the dream Big Ten schedule right there. Michigan granted, State. Granted, they have to play Northwestern. Michigan State but. has Ohio State drop off their schedule for the next two years. Right. So that could be an opportunity right there, an open door. Yes. To move up in the standings too, pad pad your record. And then for Texas, things bode well for them. The last five years, the team that's ranked number one when the BCS first comes out, they've played in the national championship game. Haven't won it. There's only been one time in the last five that the number one team coming out when they first come out wins the national championship, but. Was that Ohio State? No, it was not. Um, it might have been Texas. Not positive. Not positive. No, Texas. Texas lost the last. Or no, I mean, excuse me, excuse me. Ohio State lost the last time they were on or in because they were ranked number one last year in the national championship. Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Lost last two. They've lost the last two, but they were ranked number one when the BCS first came out. And then I think South Florida was actually number two, as laughable as that is. Okay, that's enough college football. I didn't did not plan on staying on that for so long. But, you know, hey, you get talking, you get rolling. I'm fine with it. Let's talk some NFL. You would like to talk some NFL. I, I would love to talk about... Pavel comes in with a St. Louis Blues hat on. The up-and-comers, not even the Blues, although the Blues are doing very well, I might say. Um, yes. St. Louis Rams. Everybody laughs at me, but uh, they've had two big wins since starting out 0-4. They're in a sort of a weak division. I'm not so sold on the Cardinals yet. And 2-4, uh, and four, they play the... Lowly Patriots next week without Tom Brady, you know. Matt Patriots Cass- are going tonight, Monday Night Football. They play the Denver. Denver, that's right. And we'll see. This that'll be a big, big test for them. You can really get a judge after this game. Hopefully, you can tell. And then I'll let you say the lowly Patriots, because okay. To be fair, St. Louis has only won two games now. Granted, they've been in a row, and Steven Jackson went nuts on the Dallas defense. He, Steven Jackson has rushed for 425 yards in the last three games. He's back. He, he always starts out slow. I mean, if you read any fantasy numbers about him, any fantasy stats, they know that he starts out slow. He's just hitting stride right now. And I looked at the rest of their schedule, the Rams' schedule, and, I mean... In their division, they have to play Seattle twice. Seattle just got has been getting rocked every oh, yeah. week. Oh, so they played Seattle twice. They play San Francisco twice. Um, they play the Cardinals. I think one more time. I think they already lost to the Cardinals once. But uh, they just they have all the opportunities. I mean, three years ago, four years ago, the Rams made the playoffs at eight and eight because of the bad division. Yeah. So it's, it's so it's. I think I possible. said earlier if the Cardinals make it. 
they could Cardinals had a chance before when they were looking not too bad to go ten and six, make the playoffs, be probably the worst ten and six team of all time, just because there's no real competition in that conference. But you never know. It didn't used to be like that. Exactly. There's, the there's, Rams were a powerhouse. They were. And who knows? There's so much parity in the National Football League right now. It's the Cowboys three weeks ago. I four zero. Yeah, they were they were unstoppable lost, on top of the world. Um, were they? They were three and zero. They're three and zero, and now one, one, yeah, one. yeah. But they they do not look good. Giants still look pretty good. Tony Romo's gonna have to play next week. Yeah, Tony Romo got hurt, and Brad Johnson had to come in. It's not not a good situation there, and they've. People are talking about firing the head coach, Wade Phillips, and bringing it, putting in the offensive coordinator, making a switch. Garrett, what was his name? Garrett? Uh, Sean Garrett? Sean uh, something. Jarrett, I do believe. Jarrett? I'm not positive. I think it's Garrett. Uh, who knows? But one thing that I love about the Dallas Cowboys right now, they took... Roy Williams off of our hands. <laughs> I came in here saying how much I dislike Roy Williams. He was just, he was a virus on our team, basically. He was doing no good for us, wouldn't catch passes, was disruptive for the whole team. We traded him in a seventh round pick. And, to, you got a first and we got a first pick. round pick, a third round pick, and a sixth round pick. Okay, Roy Williams, I said it, he's not very good. He has the possibility of being very good. He, he's talented, yes. But, a first rounder, a third rounder, and a sixth rounder. Randy Moss was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the New England Patriots for a fifth round draft pick. And Roy Williams warrants a first, third, and sixth? Tell me how that works. And then they signed him to a huge contract, too. That This marks basically T.O.'s last season. You know what, though? I don't agree with that because... With Roy Williams there, it's going to draw a little more attention downfield to Roy Williams and open up T.O. They were trying to get the ball to T.O. desperately. They're trying to get it to him. One, you know, Last week, obviously, it didn't work. T.O. caught three passes for average 20 yards to catch, though. Yeah. But um, with Roy Williams there, they can't just focus on T.O., shutting down T.O. I think they're going to have Roy Williams and T.O., and I think T.O. is going to get opened up a little bit more. Or they're just going to start competing and complaining because now is going to get the ball even less. He wanted the ball more when he touched it 18 times in a game a few weeks ago. But you never know. Maybe they'll work well. Roy Williams didn't even catch a pass in the last game. He Granted, it's, he was there for four, three days and played. But they've got other problems. They've got Pac-Man Jones is suspended, and he's actually in alcohol rehab somewhere in the country. That's all people know. Tony Romo's hurt. Uh, Newsom's out, their other cornerback. And Roy Williams, the, the safety, safety Roy Williams, is out for the, the season. So things yeah. do not look good for him. Maybe they'll turn it around. If Dallas was if Dallas was gonna give up a first round pick and that much, it would be make sense for them to give it up for a defensive guy to improve their defense, which has had a lot of you injuries. So. But they get a wide receiver where They've got a lot of wide receivers. I mean, they got Jason Witten, they got Miles Austin, they got Terrell Owens, Patrick um, Creighton. Patrick Creighton, absolutely. I mean, they don't yeah. need another one. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Rap here on the Impact 89 FM. I'm Scott. He's Pavel. We've been over this. The number here is 517-432-3893. We've got about 20 minutes left in the hour here. We'll move on. 
I was told it's funny. I just before I came into the station today, uh, I I saw an old friend from high school, and he goes, "You know, you should really stop complaining about the Lions, because everybody knows that they suck. You're just wasting your breath." <laughs> I got a good laugh out of that, and you know, I'm I think I'm gonna take his advice. So Nick, because of you, I'm not. The Lions lost. Go figure. To the, the one win. Houston Texans, Texans and gave them their second win. We made them look good. We made them look great. Who looked the best? Matt Schaub. <laughs> Who looks the best? Okay, let's see. Matt Ryan looked awesome. Kyle Orton looked awesome. Aaron Rodgers looked awesome. Matt Schaub looked awesome. Do I need to go on? I don't even think I can right now. This but is, This is the one week that I saw Matt Schaub score a touchdown and dance in the end zone. This is the one <laughs> opportunity he gets. The, the two-win Texans to... Get Matt oh, Schaub yeah. to dance in the end zone, make a little touchdown. We were down dance. at the end of the first quarter. We were down fourteen to zero. I think we've been outscored probably about like ninety-five to, I'll say even zero in the first quarter. In some games, I mean, it's just so sad. We're out of it early. We clawed back. We lost twenty-eight twenty-one. We had scored what was it, eleven points in the fourth quarter. We had a long ninety-six yard pass to Calvin Johnson, two-point conversion back to him. But it just wasn't there. We were fighting from behind. You're gonna see Drew Stans during a couple of weeks, and then if that, maybe if that, then Drew Henson. Yeah, well, John Kitna's out. He's on injured reserve, supposedly because of his back. And because of that, they brought Drew Henson to be the third quarterback. Yes, took him off the practice squad. Oh, yeah. So now you have Orlovsky starting. I have nowhere. Uh, Drew Stanton and then Drew Henson. Things things look great for us, but draft Tim Tebow. No. No, Tim Tebow might not even go pro. What do you mean? You don't think so? I don't know. He's not having that great of a year. He probably will. I think he's a senior. No, he won. No, because he won the Heisman as a sophomore last year. That was the controversy. He's a junior. Wow. He is. Trust me. Wow. He's yeah. a sophomore. That's impressive. Yeah, that's why it was such a big deal. Come on, Pavel. You gotta get get up on your knowledge I guess, here. I guess, I guess I'm still sleeping. Jeez. I took a nice nap before the show. <laughs> must must be. <laughs> but I mean, the Lions, we do have. We'll have two first round draft picks. We'll have a lot of draft picks. Get some linemen, please. Get Laurinaitis. Get yeah, James Laurinaitis. No, we've we've drafted linebackers. I mean, Ernie Sims. That's fine. He's he's good. But. Just get some linemen, good, offensive linemen, good, defensive linemen. Defensive linemen. Who's a good defensive lineman? I don't even in know. The country. I have no clue. I was trying to think LSU, about it. LSU. I can't remember his name. Oh, who knows? LSU. Uh, you you know that Glenn produces... Dorsey did graduate last year, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, just making sure that you you got that. But uh, <laughs> LSU is known to produce that some is big, true. Big D linemen. Yeah. But the Lions. I mean, they're Owen. I don't even know. Owen all seven six. 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 They had a bye. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a battle with them and the Cincinnati Bengals for who's going to win first or win at all. And fortunately, the St. Louis Rams went from, in the power rankings, went from like 31st to... They're probably about 15 now. Absolutely. Jeez. One, and pathetic. if they beat the Patriots, they'll be like 10. That's yeah, pathetic. <laughs> I love the NFL for that. Yeah. you got to love for the NFL. Well, when your team wins. I... I enjoy watching the NFL. I just hate that I'm from Michigan and have been a Detroit fan for so long. Enough football. Something something I'm very excited about. My Phillies are taking something on something I'm excited about, my Rays. <laughs> I've got I've got more affiliation with the Phillies than you do the Rays. But the World Series starts on Wednesday. 
Philadelphia Phillies representing the National League against the Tampa Bay Rays. The very unlikely Tampa Bay Rays from the American League. It's not so unlikely. Not, look at their team. I mean, of, of course, from the season, they've been doing really well. But, I mean, if you look at what they did last year, they hadn't won 70 games in a season yet. They're, they're, um, I think they're the newest expansion team. They've been around for about 10. 92. Are they? Th- have they been around that long? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think newish, maybe newish team. They came in around the no, time 90, of it was like ninety-eight. Yeah, it's about ten years. Came in with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Because yeah. Rockies and Marlins came in together. Mm-hmm. I think something the like Rockies that. Rockies and Marlins were ninety. Yes, yes, but they have a very small payroll. It's like forty-five million is their payroll. A Rod makes almost as much as they do. I mean. Alex Rodriguez, but they they did it perfectly. Joe Madden, their manager and their GM, just this whiz kid. They preach defense and good pitching, and they they came out this season and they just they got a lead early in the AL East with Boston and New York in there, who are very hard, very tough teams, always close to playoffs. They got a lead, they held it, and then we figured last week on the show that they were going to go through. They were up. I'm not sure where they were at in the series with Boston, but they took a 3-1 lead in that series, best of seven. And then they were up 7-0 to zero in game five. I was talking to you about that. Yeah. While, and they, you, while you were at Lujas. Yep. They uh, they pulled Scott Kazmir in the sixth when he had struck out the last two, and he looked like he was doing fine. The bullpen started giving it up. Giving it up. Eight earned runs. Yes. And then, was it a ground rule double ended it in extra innings in the 10th? Or or at least, a, I think it was a single, just because a walk-off. Walk-off yeah. single by J.D. Drew. JD Drew. And that changed the whole momentum towards Boston. And, of course, they're playing in Boston. And they come out, the Red Sox won game six. So sent it to game seven, down back in Tampa Bay. You have John Lester, who has been on fire and then very cold. He's kind of off and on. They beat him earlier in the series. You had John Lester starting, going against Matt Garza, who they picked up in a trade from Minnesota. Garza comes in, he gives up a leadoff home run to it's Dustin Pedroia. That was the only run that the Tampa After Bay Rays that, gave up. They only had The Red Sox only had two hits. After that, they the used, entire game. The Rays used five pitchers, and the, the final score is 3-1. They had a home run, added a home run by Willie Ibar to take the lead, I do believe. And they had Double rookie. Double by oh, Okay. That scored the first run. Yes. And uh, Willie Ibar actually had the second RBI, too. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Well, then... They had David Price, this rookie. He's probably probably my age, maybe even younger than I am. Comes he is in, younger. yeah. He's probably younger than I am, and it's not like I'm old. <laughs> he's drafted in '07. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably he's twenty. Yeah, that's a lot younger than I am. And he comes in. He got called up to the major leagues in August, and he got the save. Closed out the game. For he had him. a win and a save in the postseason before he will ever get one in the regular season. Amazing. It's amazing. And, and you know what? It just 
I was wondering how much of a short leash will if uh, Joe Madden will have him on. And he left him out there. They kept saying on the broadcast, this will be the last batter that he'll they face. They figured it was situational. He'd face one, maybe two guys. Yeah, it was Kotze, Mark Kotze. Yeah. That because Price is left-handed. Out. Yeah. So it was a lefty-on-lefty matchup. And that was the last batter he'd face. And they'd bring in someone else for Jed Lowry. But they, he kept him in there. He'd let him finish it. And, wow, that, that confidence for a guy like that. It reminds me of when the Cardinals won the World Series. Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright was dominant in the postseason. The next year, had a great year as a starter. Nobody cares in that, about in that, your in that Cardinals. Nobody I, cares. I care about the Cardinals. Nobody cares. Especially who they beat. Shut up. Still, still doesn't sit well with me. I hate David Eckstein. <laughs> I hate him. But yes. Just like I hate Billy- Steve Eiserman. And... Every single Detroit Red Wing, but Pavel, I'm gonna have to. (laughs) Yes, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. (laughs) Autumn, can you turn off his mic for a second here? He's he's done for the night. (laughs) But no, (laughs) getting back to the topic here before we start a fight. Uh, Phillies Rays game one's on Wednesday, eight o'clock. You got Cole Hamels, the lefty. He's young. He's 24. Cole Hamels. Yeah, against Scott Casimir. Another young guy for the Rays. It's it's that's the story of the teams. Oh, they're so young. The average age. I mean, you've got for the Phillies, you've got Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Shane Victorino. Uh, the Phillies. It's a case of not that they're young, but they have all the their guys in their prime. Yes. They're, yes, they're they all guys, right around 27, guys 28. not too old. They're guys in their prime. Ryan except Howard. for Jamie Moyer. Yeah, he's except for old. Jamie Moyer. He's he's in his second lifetime right now. Yes, he's the oldest man in baseball. But, yeah, they're just in their prime. Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, uh, right, Shane Victorino. Yeah. You got the pitcher there who's <laughs> starting Cole Hamels. Brett Myers is young. They're, Brad Lidge isn't too old. They're, Joe they're Blanton. Good. Yeah, exactly. Joe Blunt. It's still young, and then of Ryan course Ryan Madsen's really good at the bullpen too. Yeah, and the Phillies or in the Rays, of course, they're a young team. They drafted all their talent, built it up from inside the organization, and I mean they've got the rookie Evan Longoria, B.J. Upton. These teams, the average age combined has got to be twenty eight, twenty seven. You, you know who the oldest guy is? Troy Percival. Oh yeah, sure, I'd believe that. Yeah, but I mean they have guys. Carl Crawford and Rocco Baldelli, they came in at the same time. They came in like seven, six years, seven years ago. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They've been around through the futility, and they've, wow, they've, just like Todd Helton last year. I mean, he was with the Rockies the whole time since their inception, and he finally had a World Series trip last year. I mean, he was patient. He was there through the good and bad, just like Rocco Baldelli and Carl Crawford. Yeah. I don't know who else was on that I, team. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure there are too many left. But nonetheless, it should be a very entertaining series to watch. Lots of people wanted to see Manny with the Dodgers come back and play Boston and have that go down. And sadly, the ratings might drop. But this, these two teams are full of energy. Philadelphia led the league in home runs. They just absolutely kill the ball. And then you've got the Rays, who I think... Lots of people, if if you don't have an affiliation with either team, lots of people are picking the Rays just because they've been so bad for so long. This is such a turnaround, 
and they're just a fun team to watch. I can admit to that. I was pulling for them to beat the Red Sox. And it should be a very good series. I like the Phillies to win. I'm one of the few who does, but it's going to be tough. They're coming. They haven't played a game in six days, so that might. It's going to be the Rays. I think. I think you should be done picking against the Rays. No, I, I will. No, I am picking the Phillies all the way through, and that's that's enough of that. I mean, I'm I'm set on that, but. It's going to be tough. Cole Hamels hasn't pitched in six, won't have pitched in six days, and that's going to be very tough if he doesn't get a good start because he, he's been amazing he for them. He, oh, he's the he's ace by far. guy, yeah, so to speak. Right. I mean, they're having a pitch game one. He'll pitch game four, and I mean, if even if it comes down to it, he could even throw game seven. Seven. I doubt it. But. If, you, if you look at just in particular game one, you have Scott Scott Casmir, the lefty, going against a really lefty-oriented lineup for the Phillies. I mean, Chase Utley, Shane Chase Utley and Ryan Howard. Victorino's a switch hitter. Okay, well, Jimmy Rollins, is he a switch? switch? Yep. Well, I mean, the big guys, the, the two key guys, right. Chase Utley and Ryan Howard, who are a lot of their offense. Lefties. And Howard has struggled in the postseason. I, He hasn't done well, but it should be fantastic, full of energy, and just great to watch. Now, there's... We'll get back to some Spartan sports here at the end here. It was, I was so happy. Wednesday, they had media day for basketball. Friday, they had midnight madness. Men's basketball is starting back up, and I couldn't be more excited. And I was thinking when football season started, I, w- I was pumped for that. And I it's doubled, doubled right now. And I hadn't really paid too much attention in the off season to the men's team. I was just letting it happen. And once we got in there and got to hear what Izzo had to say and talk to the players, it this could be a very, very good team. They are ranked the composite preseason rankings puts Michigan State men's basketball at number eight in the nation to start. And lots of people look into that and say there's very superstitious people. When we're ranked number one to start off with, or when we're ranked really high, we don't do well. When we're kind of back in the 20s, we do better. All of that stuff, whatever. Number eight's fine. We lost Drew Neitzel. That's going to be big. A lot of scoring. But we brought in, we have enough people still there. I mean, those guards, all the guards who are freshmen, now sophomores. You have Kalen Lucas, who will be started, which should be amazing. He's a second-team preseason All-American, according to the Sporting News. And he's by far the fastest, quickest player in the Big Ten. It's fun to watch. All the players are saying Travis Walton was going to surprise a lot of people with his offense. He's worked on his shot a ton. He's actually got confidence in it now. So he has confidence in his own scoring ability, which is huge. And, of course, he's a lockdown defender. Chris Allen and Darrell Summers, they both looked great. I mean, and I liked them last year. And then, of course, the big men, we lost Drew Namick. That, that'll hurt on defense. But Goran Sutan, I, I... He always, you know what? He's always reliable. He, he Last year, quietly, he averaged a double-double. Right. Over 10 points and 10 rebounds a game. So. In the Big Ten. I think he was 9-9 nine and nine overall, but... Hey, you know what? He'll produce, he'll he turn, give you what He you turns need. the ball over a little bit for my Not liking. as much as Raymar Morgan. True. Fair. I'll argue that Sutan turns it over more in key situations. Yes. <laughs> Raymar Morgan walks for the ball no matter what. He does. He does. 
That is true. He, he's been walking. He's, he's been working on, his on work. it all summer. He's worked on his he just, footwork. He gets the ball on the wing and he's ready to go. He just doesn't dribble it to start off with. And to add a little bit about Kalen Lucas, he went to the LeBron James camp this summer with guys like Chris Paul, LeBron James, um, a bunch of NBA guys talking to him, really helping him out with his game. And some of the best top guards in all of college basketball were there. And so that's just going to make him so much better. Tom Izzo said that Kalen Lucas had by far the best summer of anybody. Yes. And a couple of them had really great summers. I mean, freshman Draymond Green dropped 15 pounds. He dropped, no. 20 pounds. 30 is what Izzo was saying. He was a big boy. He was big when he came in here. I'm pretty sure that... Marquise Gray lost weight, too. He dropped about 15. Hopefully Marquise... Not only dropped weight, but got some offensive ability. He's been softening up his hands. Do something, because he he's a very good athlete, and that's about where it ends. That's where it has been the last three years for him. I mean, everybody wants him to do well. He just and he's had so many expectations put on him. He was ranked so highly coming out of high school, coming out of Flint, and things haven't worked out. I mean, everybody knows Izzo. Izzo knows that it's been disappointing. For him, I mean, Queese is even disappointed in in how it's been. And he's looking to redeem himself. What's going to push him a lot is freshman Delvon Rowe. He's coming in, and I mean, talk about a guy who is very highly touted. Coming in 6'8", freshman, he can play the 2, the 3, the 4, the 5. He said he's even run point. He can do everything. He's taking it slow right now because he had the knee surgery back in August. But... He looked he looked pretty good. You could tell he was holding back. But he looked very good in Midnight Madness. But overall, to put a cap on it because we're running low on yes, time, yeah. I think it doesn't really matter the ranking. I think we're going to have to really prove it this year, our high ranking, because we play oh, Texas, our schedule is UNC, so tough. Uh, Kansas comes here to East Lansing. Um, we play Maryland. We play Maryland. If we win that. If we win that, we play Oklahoma State or Gonzaga. If we win that, isn't it Georgetown in Georgetown that Georgetown or Tennessee. That's all in the Old Spice Classic. And then I think what the season for men kicks off November fifth. That's what two weeks away, maybe somewhere around there. Just exhibition games against Northern Michigan. But I I got so excited just seeing that we've got a, a little bit smaller team, but we've got a very athletic team that should be very strong. Hopefully, especially when Delvon Rowe hits a hundred percent exactly by the UNC game. Hopefully, hopefully, but. It's been great. Hopefully, we'll go down to Ann Arbor, come back with a win. Haven't done it in a while. I'll be there. It should be a blast. And thank you for tuning in on the hour. We've had a lot of fun. For Pavel, I'm Scott. We'll give it up to Chris and the Jazz Spectrum now. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.